0: everyone last season was a smash ratings gold but this year's script has to top it so welcome to the table read for the 104th season of the nfl let's get to work yes jalen i thought this was the dress rehearsal oh sorry week one fourth quarter 302 left jamar leaps up and makes a no-handed catch no hands how i don't need hands i'll just catch you with my
1: abs you can call it the abracagrabra might as well send the ball to Canton now. What if we wrote the Mahomes character out of the script entirely? Yes. Yes. We wrote him over. Yes. Like, Guys, not cool. Who said that? She didn't. You're an actor, Patrick. Act like what? Boring. What if we played shirts
0: versus skins?
1: I like it, Kirko. What if we replaced my legs with actual wheels? I love it. What if Derrick Henry stiff-arms a guy into another It would be possible first. for us to get to page two. What is this? That's That's Well done by the National Football League, leaning into the notion that the games are scripted, that the outcome is scripted, that the Super Bowl champion is handpicked. It's a great way to deflect any and all criticism that the game really is rigged. Let's just act like it is, and nobody will ever really credibly accuse us of it being rigged. There's a level of genius at play here. By fully embracing what started as, and by the way, good morning, Miles. It started as a little bit that my good friend, because I don't know whether you know him or not, Eric, a.k.a. PFT commenter, he and Arian Foster on a podcast they do started talking about this in jest. And people actually believed it. The idea that the NFL is scripted and it's kind of taken on a life of its own. So with that, I say good morning. This show, not scripted, and it shows every single day. And for the third time, I say good morning.
0: Yes, good morning, Mike. Yeah, it's funny that, you know, there are people who are bigger conspiracy theorists than you that believed that Arian Foster and your internet son, as you like to call him, PFT commenter, but, you know, that they believed that the NFL could be scripted. And so I, I think it's more, you know... Uh, you're deflecting stuff, but you're embracing the man. This is so absurd because how could we actually script this? But I do want to say that given the writer's strike, which you know I hear probably more about than you, since I live out here in Los Angeles, all those writers are scabs. They should not be in the writing room. If this were really scripted, we should not be having any <laughs> NFL season That's whatsoever scabs. because there is a writer's That's strike true. right now. Okay.
1: That's an excellent point. That I had not yeah. thought of that. If it is scripted, there should be no script. There is no script this year because the yeah. writers are on strike. And, you know, of all the things that the NFL can be self-aware about, this is the one thing. And there's been jokes from the commissioner about it. Like they found something that makes them seem hip and cool. And let's just go completely embrace it there's so many other ways they could have done that over the years that they like harumph at and look down their noses at that's what makes this so weird that this is the one thing where everybody's saying it and instead of saying well that's beneath us to make such jokes they make the jokes despite the implications that's what's great about it the implication is you're creating significant integrity issues when it comes to sports wagering and I don't know if they thought it through that far. As I said, it's great cover for the idea that the NFL is rigged. And I'll go back to something that I say all the time. And I know that I jeopardize my status as one of the top five conspiracy theorists, as determined by Eagles executive VP and general manager Harry Roseman. I do not believe the NFL is rigged. I don't think they care who wins and loses games? Now there may be teams they don't like, and does that manifest itself some way in the throwing of flags or the throwing of flags that aren't thrown against Readers. the opponents of a team Readers. they don't like? I think. Now, 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 wait! Now, wait! Now, wait! Now, uh, well, Saints too. Saints. There was a study yeah, uh, the Saints did that revealed that their opponents for three straight years had the least flags thrown against them in the entire league when playing the Saints. How does that happen randomly, that well, three straight years, the teams playing the Saints were penalized less than any other team? So, so at a weird level like that, yes, as it comes to engineering the outcome, no, because I don't think they'd be competent enough to pull it off. I mean, in my, my one way that I'll stand on the wall for the NFL, it's because I don't think they're good enough to do it. They can't do it. That's why it's not rigged. There's no way they could pull it off. The harder they would try, it's like trying to like, you know, hold jello in your hands. They can't do it. No one could do it, but they especially couldn't do it and someone would blow the whistle on it and we would know that they're actually rigging games. They could not pull it off. That's the only way that's that's why that's why I defend them on that. I don't think they're competent enough to do it if they wanted to.
0: No, of course they're not competent enough to do if they wanted to. I mean, I'm not very good at math, but when you have 53 players on a roster and 46 to I guess to 49 now, given uh, players active on game day, given the new quarterback thing. And then you also have the offensive lineman that can be active on game. That's way too many people across any given weekend to structure things and script things. And then you have to do that for 18 weeks, plus another few weeks of postseason football. There's absolutely no way that that could ever be pulled off.
1: Well, no, I understand that. That's that's big picture Going into the season saying, this is the team that we want to ultimately be the champion. I'm talking about one game at a time for whatever reason. A game here, a game there, an outcome here, an outcome there. Not, they can't even pull that off. Whether it's no. with the officials who are in charge of the game, replay review. it, it, it just just—it—it—it's There's too many moving parts. There's too many moving pieces. I still think there could be some, some serious gambling issues that we'll talk about another day because we've got football to talk about. But again, kudos to to the nfl for making a very good commercial and i would not hesitate to say it sucked if i thought it sucked because this is one of those where you <laughs> expect all the folks no i mean seriously you know all the people in the media are like yeah go NFL. for you
0: to know to know that like yeah if you think something sucks you're gonna say it sucks i mean, like that's not
1: so i, I think thought this was has good about that <laughs> i thought this was good i thought this was good the kirk cousins appearance made me laugh out loud Uh, I I thought the whole thing was extremely well done. All right. um, On to the show. The fourth, fourth, third week of the preseason. I still can't get used to that. The third week of the preseason. Thank God there isn't a fourth week. The third week. The final week of the preseason, let's just call it that, is upon us. A couple of games Mm -hmm. last night. And this weekend, I think, is perhaps the best example of how preseason has changed dramatically. Because... You know, it used to be the fourth game of the preseason. It was all the backups, no starters. Very, very rarely, very rarely did a starter make even, you know, a cameo appearance. And the third week was the dress rehearsal. Now the third week slash final week of the preseason, you don't know what you're going to get. You're getting starters against backups in a lot of these games. That's what we saw Mm -hmm. in both games played last night. And it makes it very hard to glean anything from exactly what transpired Because, hey, the Colts look pretty good, and their starters played against the Philadelphia Eagles backups. So, And every team's got a different objective, a different agenda, a different level of preparation for their key players. And you strike that balance. Do we want to keep our best players out of harm's way? Well, we'd like to, but at the same time, we need our best players to get better. That would be why the Colts would play their starters, and that would be why a team like the Eagles, who are already one of the dominant teams in the NFC, would not. So I have a hard time enjoying the last week of the preseason when there's this built-in imbalance in the games because I want something that simulates real competition, and I know it is at some level real competition. The guys out there are competing, but, I mean, come on. It's not ones against ones. It's not best against best.
0: Well, it's. I mean, it's glorified practice, right? And that's kind of why I in many ways, understand why some coaches are like, yeah, we want the structure of a joint practice where we know it's good on good. We'd get different situations and different things like that. But like you said, I mean, different teams have different objectives for this last week of the preseason. It makes sense for Anthony Richardson, who is coming into this league without a lot of playing experience at quarterback in college in particular, right? I mean, he needs as many reps as possible. And the Colts have been very clear that they want him playing as much as possible so that he develops so that he gets better so by that standard and by that agenda right it makes absolute sense that anthony richardson would be out there playing the entire first half now when you look at the philadelphia eagles i mean it's they weren't even playing some of their backups right i mean Jalen carter is a guy who is ostensibly rotating in in that first group but he was out there in street clothes i mean that's Really kind of a second string defensive tackle, you know, as we look at it at this point. So there's a lot of different things that are going on there. But I think if you look at what Anthony Richardson was able to do last night, as we are right now, you can see the traits that he has that the Colts are excited about. Because, I mean, this guy is a stellar athlete. He's got a rocket arm. And if they can harness all of that and make him grow into being a franchise quarterback, then yeah, the Colts are probably going to be on their way.
1: You got my attention there when you said he's got a rocket arm. Because when you said rocket, I'm so used to hearing Sims say he's got a rocket up his ass. I thought that's what you were going to say, which would have been very uncharacteristic for you, but completely uncharacteristic for Chris Sims. Three scoring drives last night. For Anthony Richardson. He had 38 yards rushing on five carries. We saw a nice little run he had there to the left sideline and knew to get out of bounds. Wasn't going to try to be a hero. Wasn't going to put himself in harm's way. Already taking coaching about the importance of preserving his body. And he completed six of 17 passes. Now, that's not a stellar completion percentage 78 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, but three scoring drives. Again, It was against backups for the Philadelphia Eagles, but still, he needs the reps, he needs the playing experience, he needs to get comfortable, and there are various levels of comfort that he will reach. He just needs to have the basic level as the regular season approaches, especially since, and we'll talk about this later in the program, he may not have Jonathan Taylor on the field with him. So, let's get him ready, let's get him comfortable, as comfortable as he can be, but let's get him out of the game before he gets injured, and he eventually yielded to the former Eagle, now Colt, Gardner Minshew, who who, surprise, surprise, he's a highly competent backup. I mean, he's right in that cusp of backup to starter, so if Anthony Richardson would get injured at some point, and I don't mean to apply any sort of a jinx to him by uttering those words, but we know it can happen. We know it can happen. Gardner Minshew can come in and be a capable replacement, something that the Eagles might not have, especially not in the guy that was playing last night for them, at least as the starter, and didn't play long, Marcus Mariota. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, uh, the Eagles have a problem there. The Eagles have a real problem there. And the, the problem with Marks Mariota is that he just looks like how he's looked since he was going to get replaced by Ryan Tannehill in 2019. And, you know, he came in with the Raiders a couple times and did some things that were all right. When he was back up last year with the Falcons, he did not look very good very often. We saw a lot of that in the quarterback series. He eventually gets replaced and then he shuts it down for the year. But yeah, I mean, look, if you have Gardner Minshew and that guy is also mentoring Anthony Richardson, then you're probably in a good spot. And by all accounts, Gardner Minshew has really embraced that role. And that's something that you want because, look, there's a lot of stuff that Anthony Richardson just does not know about playing quarterback in the NFL. It's not his fault. He's a rookie. But if you can have a guy who's been there, who's been around, who has actually made starts as a rookie and has made starts as he's gone along in the NFL in that progression and teach him those little things, those little nuances, what to look for and things like that from the quarterback perspective, that's that's a good thing to have in your locker room.
1: I got some thoughts on Mariota. I got a theory. I got some ideas. We're going to talk about him later. First, let's hear from coach Shane Steichen, the former Eagles offensive coordinator back in town as head coach of the Colts on the performance of Anthony Richardson in that preseason finale. I thought he did a solid job. You know, we scored three out of the first four drives, which is good. You know, the two-minute drive wasn't what we wanted. Um, But we'll go back, look at the tape. I I thought he did some really good things and, you know, some things we got to clean up as well. How how does his ability to avoid sacks, whether it's, you know, in the pocket, outside the pocket, just help keep those drives on schedule? Yeah, I mean, that's one of his talents, you know, to create those big plays outside the pocket. I think he had 38 rushing yards, but the scramble plays when guys are, you know, coming free on blitzes, obviously we got to look at those and get those things picked up better. But uh, just his ability to create, you know, outside the pocket is definitely going to help us. Absolutely. And that's what separates the good quarterbacks from the great quarterbacks in today's NFL. The ability to use your legs to extend a play, whether it's to run the ball or whether it is to get out of the pocket and make a throw. That one. That's the critical That one right difference. there. That's what... That's a, that was that, a nice that, little zip. But, you know, we, yeah. we're going to talk about Trey Lance coming up, but that's what the 49ers thought they were getting in Trey Lance. A guy yes. who wasn't just drop back and throw it. A guy who had the legs to run out of trouble and, if necessary, run down the field. It just never worked because Kyle Shanahan's system isn't conducive to that. Shane Steichen... Putting in a system specifically for... And that's the difference. You can either have a system that you fully believe in and you insist that your players adapt to it, and if they adapt to it and they apply it, you'll win games. Or you can say, here are my players. I'm going to adapt my system to my players. And with Richardson, Steichen, who showed he can adapt the system to Jalen Hurts, he's adapting the system to Anthony Richardson and coaching it well. I see in him, like... Look, I don't want to see a quarterback get hit at all, especially in the preseason. But when he got tackled mm-hmm. near the sideline on one of the plays we showed, there was an awareness in the way he went down. There's some of the stuff we're now looking for in Tua Tonga-Vailoa where you just go with it at some point. You don't fight it, and you, you know how to fall. You know how to hit the ground in a way that doesn't get yourself injured. Jackson Smith and Jigba, where he hurt his wrist earlier in the week. or We, we talked about earlier in the week that he's got the broken wrist. He did it last weekend. The way he fell... You know, he, he should have just gone with it. He tried to brace his fall with his left hand, and he, and he fractured a bone, and he needs surgery. So those are little nuanced things. And when you see a rookie flashing that ability to understand how to go down, how to go with the talent, I mean, those are just little things that are like, hey, this kid maybe gets it. This ki- and he's got the talent. The talent's undeniable. You throw in talent with, he gets it, and you're going to end up with a pretty good player.
0: Yeah, you certainly hope so, especially if you combine that with the good coaching. I mean, you you mentioned what Shane Steichen did with Jalen Hurts. I mean, you go back a little bit further, right? He was the offensive coordinator um, and, and the play caller in the middle of that season. He got thrown into it. but But for Justin Herbert, right? You know, this is a guy that has been able to not just produce somebody who we think of as the guy who can throw it and run it but you look at Justin Herbert and the work he did with him in his rookie year, like that is some serious stuff from a pocket passer too. So we know that Shane Steichen can work with different guys and develop different guys and adapt a system to each and to every quarterback that he works with. That's the thing that encourages me the most about the Anthony Richardson situation, aside from what we see with his natural talent. And there is some natural talent there. I mean, that second and fourth throw that we were pointing out, I mean, before that play, He's going to the line, he's making the checks, he's adjusting, he gets back, and then he just throws an absolute rocket to the far sideline. I mean, that is a really, really quality throw, and he puts it in a place where only his receiver can get it. So those are the kinds of things where I see it, and it's like, yeah, you don't want to take too much from preseason, good or bad, but when you see that kind of trait, that to me is the really encouraging aspect of it.
1: And it's not just having the rocket arm because, and this was a Trey Lance criticism that Sims had a couple of years ago when we were trying to figure out what he was going to be. Lance used the rocket arm all the time. It's the ability to modulate the velocity, the touch. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that in Jordan Love. We're seeing that in Anthony Mm -hmm. Richardson. I mean, that's one of the little things that separates guy who's got a ton of talent from guy who can play quarterback at a high level. So – It's a weird time for the Colts with this Jonathan Taylor thing, and the whole Taylor dark cloud may be one of the reasons why they're inclined to try to trade him. I don't know how it's going to play out. Supposedly we'll know by Tuesday, and we'll talk more about it later, but there's reason to be optimistic if you're a Colts fan because they may have something in Anthony Richardson. We don't know. We won't know for a year or two, but I think back to 2018 all the time. First pick Baker Mayfield, third pick Sam Darnold, seventh pick Josh Allen this year, first pick Bryce Young, second pick C.J. Stroud, fourth pick Anthony Richardson. There's a chance the third guy ends up being the best guy of the three. Time will tell as to all of them. Now, let's flip it over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Marcus Mariota, once upon a time, eight years ago, second overall pick in the draft. And who could forget his rookie training camp when Shefty breathlessly tweeted over and over again how many straight practices he had gone without throwing an interception, as if that meant a damn thing. Here we are, Mariota struggling to hold the number two spot on the Philadelphia Eagles depth chart. And one of the things I love about an Al Michaels game, beyond the very soothing voice, and he sounded great last night. He sounded great. And uh, there was a profile of him recently in Sports Business Journal, and he pushed back on the critics of low energy performances and whatnot. And he had some very colorful language and I could just hear him saying some of the things that were in the quotes. And if you haven't seen the profile, you you should go take a look at it, but he sounded great last night. And when he's talking about the issues with Mariota, the concerns about Mariota and whether or not he's going to be the backup or Tanner McKee is going to leapfrog him. If he's talking about that stuff, he's not just spitballing. He's not just pulling stuff out of the air and or, some orifice he's hearing something he's on the field talking to Jeffrey Lurie the owner of the team before the game and they all venerate Al Michaels I mean they all look up to Al Michaels and Al Al Michaels knows what's going on and if he's talking about Mariota being in trouble guess what Mariota's in trouble of not being the backup to Jalen Hurts Miles
0: uh, well, yeah. I mean, look, he's just been completely unimpressive, and I understand why the Eagles went out and they got him. Right? I mean, I mean, as somebody who can run it, you know, and has that ability to be a guy that can throw it and run it in theory, you would think, and has as many starts as he does in his career, right? You would think that that's a guy you can plug in there, and he's going to be a solid veteran backup. In some ways. It's like the 49ers going out and getting Sam Darnold because it's a guy who was highly drafted. Yes, didn't necessarily work out and wherever he's been before, but you have a feeling that because he's the backup, he's going to be able to adapt into that role and just be a guy that you can trust to put, put in there in an emergency because that's why a backup quarterback plays. There's some sort of emergency where your starter is not in there anymore. And especially if you got Jalen Hurts and you paid him as much money as you do like that, Marcus Mario does not play in just because they wanted to play. It's because he has to, but everything that we have seen from Marcus Mariota over the last, let's call it year plus now is signaling that he is not somebody that they can trust when he goes out there and he plays quarterback and it's very unfortunate. And, and, you know, I, I don't think it has anything to do with his character or anything like that. This is a performance based business. And when you look at what he's putting out there on film, it is not up to snuff. I mean, he should have gotten picked off last night, and that throw that he made that was into that tight window, the window was gone. That ball should have been intercepted, and instead, it somehow got caught, and the Eagles end up scoring a touchdown. But the film doesn't lie. The film will show you how bad of a pass and how bad of a decision that was. And so, yeah, the Eagles have a real problem on their hands, and I don't know if they're going to be searching the waiver wire or if they're going to be searching you know, for a trade a la the Cardinals yesterday for a backup. But... But something's got to give here. And Marcus Mariota does not look like a player that the Eagles can trust, especially because they have Super Bowl aspirations.
1: Trey Lance is one guy that I've thought of as a potential backup <sighs> to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. Now, look. Not for me. I understand. I understand. A different topic. Not not my tempo. I get it. Now, um, you, you at least got that reference, didn't you? I you've did. At least yes, seen. Yes. I mean Whiplash wasn't That's my filmed cousin, in the 80s, JK so you've presumably seen it. Yes. Okay. So uh so here's my here's my Mariota kind of theory. And this is based on stuff that Al Michaels was saying last night. Al Michaels no, don't you don't need the tinfoil hat for this yet. We're getting there. And first of all, they're Paying Mario to $5 million this year, fully guaranteed. He's already gotten a $3.5 million signing bonus, and his salary is fully guaranteed. So this is a $5 million mistake if they're it willing happened. to admit they made a mistake. Right. Now, Al Michaels mentioned the quarterback series. And and I the comments were very candid and almost uncharacteristic for Al to be that almost critical of Marcus Mariota, that he watched it, and near the end, you get the impression the guy doesn't really like football. I mean, he almost said that word for word. That was the vibe. So, again, he's down on the field before the game talking to Jeff Lurie, and you'll wonder, and think about the timeline, the way an offseason works. You hit free agency. Mm -hmm. Time to go get a backup to Gardner Minshew. Garda taking his lucky strike somewhere else. So what are we going to do? Well, we'll get Marcus Mariota. Skill set matches Jalen Hurts. We want to back up. So we go from playbook A to playbook A, not playbook one to playbook two. We don't need to have two different playbooks for two different quarterbacks. We want somebody who can simulate the things that Jalen Hurts does in the event that he's gone for four games. However, many it was last year, he was gone for a while, and Gardner Mitchell had to play. So, we need somebody we can trust. And we know how the Eagles view the backup quarterback position. Eagles view backup quarterback as one of the 11 most important positions on the team. So, I can't help but wonder Eagles' son, Marcus Mariota, they don't know a damn thing about what's in this Netflix series. They haven't seen it, they don't get an advanced copy. Probably not even ready for anyone to look at in March. They're still putting it all together. Is it possible, Miles? And you can put the tinfoil hat on if you okay, want. No, it's, no, it's fine. It's is it done. possible? Is it is it possible? The Eagles saw that, just like the rest of us did, and they were as dismayed as some of us were by the appearance, even as Netflix sports washes, and we're going to see this more and more with these Netflix documentaries folks they're not documentaries they're infomercials and, and there's a lot people starting to figure it out with this florida thing like where's all the stuff that really happened where's the where's the scene about you know the bad stuff oh they, they check the box as daintily as they can you know oh we, we you know we can't ignore it all together we got to have a little scene you know we got to have paul feinbaum wagging a finger at urban meyer otherwise it'll be ridiculous but you know the the, the reality in Gainesville was just shoved under the rug. That's what happens in these documentaries that the subjects of the documentaries produce and or have final say over. But even with that, even with that, man, it was a bad look for Marcus Mariota when it was all said and done. It was a bad look for Marcus Mariota. And you wonder how much of that has influenced the Eagles, and you wonder how much of where he is in his career has gotten him to the point where maybe he just doesn't care like he used to he's no longer a starter and there's no there's no plausible path for him to be a starter when he went to the Raiders at least it's kind of like you know with Derek Carr who knows maybe I get a chance to play and maybe I can who knows mm-hmm. this is the first time where he's clearly clearly QB two with a hard ceiling no way in hell are you going to be the starter You're QB two and the arrows pointing down on your career and based on what we've seen this preseason you know, can they trust him to be an effective backup if Jalen Hurts gets injured? I can't help but wonder whether they're willing to admit a $5 million mistake and just move on from Marcus Mariota. Few teams would do that. Most teams would double down. Got to justify the 5000000 million. Can't admit we made that mistake. That's $5 million. Cannot admit we made that mistake. We just have to make chicken salad. The, the, the teams that get it will say, Oh, well, there's more where that came from. Got to move on from this guy got to have somebody in place who can win football games if our starter gets injured.
0: I mean in the grand scheme of things 5 million against the cap if you admit you make a mistake and then you know you go out and you get a cheaper backup you you can do that. The good teams will admit that they made a mistake and cut their losses when they need to, because they just have to do that. And they understand like, this is a game about winning, right? It's a results-based business. So if your result of you went out, you signed this guy, you figured that he would be a good backup with a skill set match to our starter and all that. And then it's not probably not just the Netflix series, but it's probably a combination of, Hey, we've seen this guy in practice. And he's been airmailing passes and we've seen this guy in practice and he hasn't necessarily been making the right reads. We've seen this guy in practice and he's not necessarily calling the right things at the line of scrimmage to adjust the protection. We've seen this guy in, in the meeting rooms and he's sometimes not quite getting the little nuances that we need him to understand when it comes to our scheme and our system and how we want to get things accomplished. And then you, you have all of that. His performance in the game, which has obviously been lacking. And then you maybe add on that extra layer of, man, in the Netflix series, I don't know. That wasn't the best look. And you add on to that, well, we already knew that he left the team at the end of the season last year with the Falcons. And he performed really, really poorly in a lot of those games, especially that Thursday night game against the Carolina Panthers, where late in the game, he's like falling on his side and somehow trying to throw a pass, like kind of like Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, except Mahomes threw it accurately. And Lord only knows where that ball went that Marcus Mariota threw. It might still be up in space somewhere. So I'm just, I, I look at all of it and the totality of it might be, that the Eagles are now in a position where they are so uncomfortable with the idea of Mariota being their backup quarterback that they would be willing to say, look, this is a $5 million mistake. But because we prioritize the backup quarterback position so much in this club, we got to just cut our losses and move on. I don't think that's out that of the realm of possibility at all.
1: And, and, you know, and I say this half jokingly, which means, you know, Math is it's hard. Math seriously. Uh, Nick Foles is available. I mean, and and you know apparently who else He is? said somewhere recently. Carson Wentz how much is available, he and he's been Eagles. wearing Eagles gear. Oh. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, true. Hey, well, mean... he's wearing Eagles gear. He's wearing Colts gear. He's wearing Commanders gear. He's wearing all the free stuff that he got. When he was playing for those three teams, but Nick Foles is the one who actually was effective when when called upon Nick Foles is the ultimate backup quarterback because he only thrives when you insert him into the game in place of the starter. He thrives very well. He wins the Super Bowl and he's a Super Bowl MVP. But when you Peterson. make him the guy, it just doesn't work.
0: I still don't know why he's at? not in Jacksonville. Wow. That's, he's, Doug, he's, Doug Peter, Doug, he's Doug Peterson's muse. I mean, I like why isn't he Trevor Lawrence's backup? They both are blonde. I mean, you know, they're both tall, and they, you know, it makes a lot of sense. If, because I, I, frankly, I don't even know who the backup quarterback is off the top of my head in Jacksonville, and that's not something that I prepped for today. So CJ, I don't Bethard.
1: know, CJ, with
0: apologies. Oh, I, I apologize to CJ. You need to I'm prep. I'm not trying to make you a need to prep.
1: What's prep, be C.J. Beathard? You, you carry it around all the time. It's what you, you do even read the You, don't you
0: read the, the, the rundown for the show talking about, oh, we're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor later on in the show. I, that was surprising to me.
1: <laughs> well, I'm just assuming we're going to talk about it since it's one of the biggest stories oh. in the NFL. And actually, <laughs> I didn't read the rundown. I just I read the text message we got last night because it was short. It was short enough that I was able to finish it before my attention span of a dying gnat, expired. All right, uh, let's talk about the other game last night. The second most important thing happening in Atlanta on Thursday night, the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Falcons. By the way, by the way, as I said that, thunder rolled through the... (laughs) I, I have been told for 12 years now, ever since I've had a studio in my house, when it storms... Like, I have a concern because we're wired into the Matrix. We're up, peel back the curtain. We wear this thing in our ear. And I know it's it's like plastic. It's not metal. But there's a wire and it's in our ear. And I'm in an attic right at the top of our house. And we're on top of a hill. And it lightnings at time to time. So they tell me I'll be fine if lightning would hit the house while I have this thing in my ear. But in the event, I'm not, the clip would probably do well on Twitter. Let's just, you know, me getting Reds struck by lightning Instagram. on air and dying would probably do well on on Twitter. And I will always call it Twitter. It will always be Twitter to me. I will never call it X. Sometimes I'll call it the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. But regardless, wherever the clip would end up, YouTube, et cetera, it would do well. It would do well. And and you, you would get to be part of it. So you're probably hoping for a lightning strike right now.
0: Mama call him Twitter. I'm a call him Twitter.
1: See so right. it's an 80s movie So anyway, reference. second most... Im- I see. I don't know about that. that what? See, that's, a, that's an 80s movies I didn't see. Which one's that one?
0: It's Mama call him Clay. I'm a call him Clay. No? Nothing?
1: It's actually not well, an 80s no, movie. No. no
0: I do I think about it. Never mind. It, don't worry oh, about okay. it. Okay, it's not an 80s on? movie. All right.
1: All right. Okay. Okay. So... As mentioned, second most important thing happening in Atlanta last night, the Steelers taking on the Falcons. Another game of ones versus twos. And the Steelers are the ones that played their starters. Yes. And Kenny Pickett, oh, by the way, looking pretty good. Kenny Pickett causing people yeah. to reconsider where they think the Steelers fit in this very, very top-heavy AFC hierarchy. Kenny Pickett flinging it with those gloves. Spinning it with those tiny little hands of his. Getting it done for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you got Najee Harris. And you got Jalen Warren, who's threatening to become RB1. And then you got Pickett. Hey, Pickett's figuring it out, baby. When George Pickens is covered, he's still open. And I made mm-hmm. that comment last night. I know like, oh, he's going, against, he's going against CB7. I don't care. That Who guy cares? was covering him. And he still catches the ball. Throw it to George Pickens. All the time, every time. This offense has the potential to be explosive, Miles. And when you put with it a great defense, we've known the Steelers' defense is great. The question is, can their offense do enough? Defense, great. Offense, maybe better than expected. Maybe they're going to trying to get Matt Canada fired every week in Pittsburgh this year. Maybe this team's <laughs> going to flourish. So, I like what I saw. I like what I saw from Kenny Pickett and company all preseason long. Man, week one? 49ers coming to town. Chris and I were talking about this the other day. How is that a 1 o'clock game? That's a 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff with all the other games. 49ers-Steelers, a Super Bowl matchup that never happened that maybe will one of these days. That is a hell of a game right out of the gates, and the Steelers are at home, and they're dangerous in week one. And Mike Tomlin whips them up into a frenzy, and watch out, 49ers. You better take that one seriously because the Steelers are better than anyone has given them credit for.
0: They they get those towels waving in the fourth quarter. Oh, mama, I'm in fear of my life. And I'm a long arm of the law, baby. And then TJ Watt starts coming. Yeah, Brock Purdy better look out. But, I mean, I've been high on the Steelers' skill position, guys, for this entire offseason. And, look, I feel like a lot of us, us as in, like, media people, are like, talking about the Falcons and their potential with the skill group like we really should be talking about the Steelers because look, we know that Najee Harris can run the ball, right? We know that George Pickens can make catches you know, people might want to say, well he's going against backup guy, blah 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 last night, but look, we've seen George Pickens make these catches before against first stringers Right? This is not new from George Pickens. It's just a progression of what he's doing. Deontay Johnson, I don't care that he didn't have a touchdown catch last year. That's still a real quality receiver. Pat Friermuth is one of those tight ends that I think we are going to be really talking about as one of those guys that is in that upper echelon of the tight end group in the entire National Football League. It's all about Kenny Pickett. So if Kenny Pickett can continue this progression, continue this growth that it looks like he's made between year one and year two, then we better look out for the Steelers because look, I mean, I know we talk about Mike Tomlin never having a losing season, but I believe there probably is some urgency there because they have not won a playoff game since 2016. This might be the year that the Steelers get off of that snide. Oh, also, here's Tomlin, Coming to America last, is a, a 1988 yes. movie. I was wrong. I, I looked that up, and yes, it's not yes. 1990 like I thought. I, it's 1988, so I need to issue that correction.
1: I I, I, I have I have a text from my cousin reminding me that it is Coming to America, which is a movie I actually oh. saw, but I've only ever seen it once, and I might have been drinking that night, so I don't remember all, all do. the lines. Okay. I do remember some, though. Okay. So here's Mike Tomlin talking about his second-year quarterback, Kenny Pickett, and how he has grown – From his rookie year to his second year.
0: I think the growth is probably associated with with being him and not necessarily the surface level things associated with the position, but the leadership things, the communication things, the bringing people together things. Uh, When you got a higher level of comfort in terms of what it is that you're doing, then those things probably happen more. And so, you know, um, that is significant. It's not, you know, play related, but it is. Um, because he he is the catalyst for that unit. He controls the pace and the tenor of that unit. And and I just think if he's comfortable, that unit has an opportunity to be comfortable. And I think that's probably the most significant difference.
1: The Steelers went 21 years between franchise quarterbacks. And I recall, because it was the early days of PFT, back when you were in middle school, I was saying one of these years the Steelers have to just go draft a quarterback in the first round. They've got to just go. Get, you're not gonna. You're not gonna just trip over somebody. Cordell Stewart never became the guy they thought he was going to be. Neil O'Donnell was there until he wasn't, until he threw two interceptions in the Super Bowl and then left for the Jets in free agency. They just went from one kind of mid-level guy to the next between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger, and. I think they remembered that lesson because as soon as Roethlisberger was, you know, ascended into football heaven after that Monday night against your Browns, they went straight to work on getting their replacement and they got him in Kenny Pickett and they didn't get desperate. They didn't have to trade up for him. Everybody knew they were going to take Kenny Pickett and they just sat there and they waited for Kenny Pickett to to be handed down to them by the football gods the same way the football gods accepted Ben Roethlisberger up into the pantheon of kind of all-time greats. So this this would be perfect for the Steelers because here that's what you ultimately need. You can't win championships with just a team that has a great defense, as the Steelers learned from 1983 through 2005. Now, not that Roethlisberger was throwing it all over the place when they won the Super Bowl against the Seahawks in Super Bowl 40. That was one of the rare cases where... A team won a Super Bowl without a quarterback that was doing a lot. A couple of years later, they won the Super Bowl with Ben Roethlisberger doing a lot. You need a quarterback who can do a lot, who can do it all, who can make it happen. And they may have already found him, and he may already be rocketing toward his ceiling. And that ceiling may be enough to put him in the conversation. Premature to to to, to put in there, but he could be there with the Mahomes and the Burrows and the Allens if he keeps oh. on that trajectory. He I mean, could I guess be there. He could. It could. I mean, or it but, could be, uh, hey, wouldn't wouldn't hurt to be just below them with the rest of that team around him still yes. good enough to win games with the rest of the team around him. Exactly. And Mike Tomlin is going to get the most
0: out of his team. I think that we understand that. You know, at least in the regular season, he's gonna be able to coach these guys up, get them ready to play and all that. But I, I think What is encouraging is that the Steelers first team offense went out there and did what they were supposed to do in each one of these three preseason games, right? You don't want to take too much from anything, but the fact that they were able to do what they were supposed to do is at least a check on in the box. It allows you to say, we got this done. And now we can go into the regular season with good vibes. The games now count and everything is fine. We don't really have the concerns, right? Because if you don't go out there and do what you're supposed to do, then you start raising an eyebrow and it's like, uh-oh, is this really going to work? And just because you do what you're supposed to do in the preseason doesn't really mean Jack Leap once the games start. I mean, whether Nick Bosa is going to be on that 49ers defensive line or not in week one, that's still going to be a formidable unit that they're going to have to go up against. So encouraged? Yes. Is it, do you want to take too much from it? No. But I think that, you know, you can't help but look at this offense and think, oh, you know, the, the arrow seems to be pointing up and in the right direction.
1: Hey, You know, there's plenty to talk about whether or not Chris Jones is going to be ready to go, even if he shows up today for the Chiefs. At some point, we need to say Nick Bosa won't be ready to go, even if he shows up today for the 49ers. We're 16 days yeah. away from 49ers at Steelers, and. Consider the first five games for the Steelers. They have a week six bye. They've got the 49ers and your Browns at home. Monday night, week two, Cleveland Browns. I think there's one of those weird doubleheaders that night, too, but where they overlap. I don't like the overlapping Monday night games. Not that anybody Um, cares what I think about that or anything else. Then at the Raiders for Sunday night football. Then they're at the Texans, and then they have a home game against the Ravens before their bye. Four and one is not a crazy thought. It really isn't. It all comes down to that first game. If they can handle the 49ers, they may be off and running. And one thing they did last year, even though they had a horrible start to the season, they won in Cincinnati week one. And so you take a quarterback who is competent, you take an offense that is talented, you take a coach that knows how to put all the ingredients in a bowl and whip it up into something pretty damn good, no matter how you know, lackluster, some of the ingredients may be. And you've got yourself a recipe for a hell of a team. And and look, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here because my theory about the Steelers is when the expectations are high, they don't quite make it. When the expectations are low, they find a way to overachieve. And I think that pattern over the years, people are starting to catch on. And I've noticed that in Sims. He's kind of, you know, I didn't think they were going to be very good. I have a feeling they're going to be pretty good. So, I I I've I never write off the Steelers. I I've seen it too many times. And this year it's uh it's going to be exciting to see what happens, Miles. I'll be very interested to see what they do to your Browns on the the second Monday night of the 2023 regular season, which will be here before we know it. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, the Arizona Cardinals making some deals thinking about the future maybe not the present which may be a smart thing for a team that arguably is one of the worst in the nfl we'll discuss that when pft live continues right after this